I like salad. Do you like salad? Hi, I'm Ho Shen Ho. I'm living in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and see the territory of Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. I am an immigrant to Canada from China. Hey everyone, I'm Andrea, coming to you from Victoria, but more importantly known as the ceded Exwepsum territory of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples, the Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations, and I am an immigrant from the United States of America. And you're listening to Canadian Salad. Canadian salad. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Andrea here going solo. This is going to be weird for me, I will admit, but it is something that last minute I had an idea and I reached out to Hoshin and I said, what do you think if I do an episode by myself? I know it's last minute. Can you join me? And unfortunately he could not. So um, I will be missing my dear friend Hoshin and I know you will too. Today's episode is going to be slightly different. It's going to be shorter than others, but it's also going to be more artistic. I have found that these past three months um, have been extremely difficult. Um, I think the past five years with so many things going on globally. And for many of you out there, maybe it's been hard for you your whole life. Moving to Canada, being disconnected from maybe your country of origin, disconnected from the suffering that you hear about back at home. I've heard people live with survivor guilt why did I make it and other people didn't? Well, how am I here having a warm home when I know my sisters or my brother are suffering? It's a lot to hold and a lot to carry. And part of Canadian salad is not just highlighting Hoshin and I. We are two immigrants, two tiny little drops in the bucket, a pea and a tomato, if you will. And so it's important that if we are going to reflect the global majority and reflect a big bowl of beautiful ingredients, it's important that we highlight those voices. We don't have the capacity yet to interview people. We are working on that. So today's episode is actually going to be poetry. Now, poetry, theater, music has always been a beautiful tool for resistance. It's spoken truth to power. It identifies with those who are struggling. It is honest. It's real. And in light of over the 30 conflicts that are happening right now on our planet, a lot of people are hurting and a lot of people don't know how to go forward. And I think for myself, I do get really overwhelmed with the atrocities that are happening. And I forget that there are poets, there are musicians, there are actors, there are writers, there's painters, there's so many people who in their own medium and own expression are defying systems, are speaking truth to power, are communicating their stories in a way that connects us in our humanity. And so this episode is going to be that. It's going to be four poems from four countries who are currently in conflict. And I hope that this is encouraging for you to not only hear what they have to say, but noticing the thread of suffering, but also the thread 
of courage. I feel like there are many people that I meet who I don't feel worthy to know because of all the things that they've gone through. And in some small way, I want to open a gate and let their voices in because their voices are what we need. They connect our humanity. They connect us as people, as human beings. And poetry has a way to speak to the human experience that sometimes no other medium can. So join me and take a listen. And I do encourage you that if you're going to um, listen to this episode, please look up some of these poets' names, Google them, find more of their materials. There are so many poets globally. Um, and trust me, they're definitely worth reading. Um, I do want to just express that there are some poems that involve um, graphic death. And so if you have young ones in the room um, or people with um, very sensitive uh, personalities, such as myself, <laughs> um, please just take caution and um, do what you need to do. So the first poem I want to highlight is a poet out of Sudan. Um, this poet, his name is Kay Eltene. Um, and he's a, he's, I mean, he's a poet, he's on uh, social media, um, but he has this to say about his poem called Freedom. He says, quote, the apathy of media outlets, especially in neighboring regions like the Middle East, inspired the poem Freedom. It boldly criticizes this indifference, and the verses drip with fury and sarcasm as I attempt to contextualize the dismal reality of an internet blackout while also pleading for some kind of humanity. Kay Eltene goes on and he says, I hope that these poems will encourage and sustain the brave people who are peacefully demanding a more just future for Sudan. I know these verses cannot soothe the wounds of those who have lost loved ones, but I want readers to know that their memory will never be forgotten. He says, to quote one of Sudan's finest writers, Jamal Majoub from his novel, Wings of Dust, Quote, those who can remember are dangerous, for they might recall that there is an alternative to this madness. I have no choice but to speak out. All I have is my life, end quote. I'll be honest, I don't see a lot of media coverage for Sudan. And I know that their displacement has been happening for a while. And so in this poem, I hope you can hear um, Eltene's voice his fury with the lack of attention um, to the situation in Sudan, but also um, his cry for hope and help amidst all of this. So here is his poem called Freedom. This poem is open as an open fire, as in 118 lives lost peacefully protesting on June 3rd, 2019, and the world hardly blinked. How do I say sorry in your language? Sorry, not like for your loss, but that we walk the same earth, even breathe the same air. Sorry that our bodies are dragged to rivers today and remain uncounted tomorrow. My heart goes out to the cafe or a bar or some small downtown. How far outside yourself have you ever really gone for a stranger? 
how do I say internet blackout in a way that makes you visualize people disappearing? Now, like during your lunch break, lives changing from is to was faster than you do before you hit the gym. Where does your peace live, brother? Can mine visit too? Can't we all want the same things, even if we look different? I'm ready for the future, he tells me, when our hearts will soar like three birds with six songs of liberty. That's Freedom by Kay Eltonay. The second poem I want to highlight is a Congolese-born poet. Her name is Sarah Lubala. Sarah Lubala and her family had fled the Democratic Republic of Congo two decades ago amidst political unrest as militant factions tried to overthrow the dictator Mobutu Siseko. And there's still conflict happening um, right now as, as we speak. She wrote a collection of poems um, called A History of Disappearance. And she was interviewed about her poems. And I want to read just a brief excerpt from her interview. She states, quote, I wrote this poem when I was 22 years old, if I'm not mistaken, I was thinking a lot about what it means to be a refugee and what happens to your idea and understanding of home when it is complicated, when the concept of it can become a site of trauma. When you are an immigrant, particularly if you are a forced one, you have to reimagine what home is. And it can at times feel like you have no control to define it beyond the place where you sleep. When you are a refugee, that is quite literally the line the bed, the mat, the thing you are given to sleep on. The word home in that poem appears in inverted commas because it highlights ways in which that term is always shifting and that it's complicated. I've worked with a lot of refugees before and I know that the immigrant experience for forced immigrants uh, is very different than those of us who willingly come here um, with agency and with finances support. And I think it's really important that refugees have a voice because they live among us. Um, almost all refugees that come to Canada have experienced some kind of physical, political, um, or emotional uh, torture. And so it's really important that we don't forget them um, amongst the immigrant community but that we highlight their voices and remember that we are just as they and anyone could be a refugee. This is Sarah Lubala's poem called Six Errant Thoughts on Being a Refugee from her collection of poems, A History of Disappearance. One, on the worst of my days, this body is a gimcrack vessel, no more than two lungs and a tremor nailed to salvaged wood. Two, grief traveled with me across the Ubangi River. I prayed love and all her cognates on the passage over. Libet, to please. Lips, to be needed. Lip, to beg. I arrived with bruised knees, wet hair, and a mouth full of salted fish. Three, I am so hungry. Hungry, hungry for holiness, for communion, for a God you can sink your teeth into. For I was raised on the Congolese gospel, 
I can teach you how to forget where you are from, to worship the wide road before you, hands open like this. Make each palm a letter to the sky. Five. Beni is a town with one police station, airport, market, many graves. I should go back. My people are weeping. Six. Home is a narrow bed. That's Six Errant Thoughts on Being a Refugee by Sarah Lubala. This next poem is from a Ukrainian poet coming out of uh, Ukraine. Um, her name is Aya Kiva. And again, my apologies if I'm not saying her name correctly. She wrote a poem called War Plants Paper Flowers. And she's a more modern poet. She was interviewed about her poetry, and she has this to say about poetry coming out of Ukraine. If Ukraine wins the war and therefore survives, also in terms of culture, we will no longer have to deal with people executed or put in prison who may write beautiful poetry while in prison. In short, we will no longer have to deal with trauma every time we deal with poetry and culture. But on the contrary, we will be able to enjoy the cultural development of a society that is no longer threatened by an impending external danger. Poetry is sometimes said to be therapeutic, but I totally disagree. On the contrary, it's like having so many scars on the body that are torn open again every time you look at them. End quote. So this poem is called War Plants, Paper Flowers by Aya Kiva. On the unmarked graves of our lives, war plants paper flowers. The suffocating blossom of frozen time, its eyelid pages cut with a death knife. The borders of light and dark flatten into a platter of laughter over the old fable about good defeating evil. Cozy world. Your unwanted children have lost the ability to hear anything but atonal music, lost the ability to spell the word love out of Legos, lost the ability to look their future in the face with trusting eyes empty as their parents' houses. Long as the road to safety, this epic tale of freedom smeared in the blood of the new ABCs of history, where every word must be looked up in the dictionary. And our mouths fill with the body of the earth that's caught like a noble beast in a trap of courage, pushing with all its weight our immobilized tongues toward a mute boat amid rocks of pointless testimony. I've seen these deserted shores of justice before. I've seen these keys before in the beaks of birds of passage. That's War Plants Paper Flowers by Aya Kiva. The last poem is by a Palestinian poet, Hanan Mikhail Ashrawi. And my apologies for not saying her name right. Um, Hanan is actually not just a poet, but has been a social activist, a minister of education. She um, was the first female uh, member elected to the executive committee of the Palestine Liberation Organization in 2009. Um, and uh, she also founded the National Coalition for Accountability and Integrity uh, and, and many other things. I highly recommend you look her up. She is an incredible woman um, who's done incredible things. She wrote this poem called From a Diary of an Almost Four-Year-Old. 
I think we're all aware that no matter what conflict, children are the ones to suffer the most. If it's not death, it is the leftover trauma. It is the seeing their family members being killed in front of them or the torture that they've had to experience. Children are too young. People should never deserve anything um, such that they have endured. And so this poem encapsulates the perspective of a child caught in war, specifically in Palestine with Israeli occupation. And we all know that that Israeli occupation in Palestine is not a new thing. This has been going on for decades. Remember the children um, and all of this. This is why we speak up. This is why we do what we do. Um, but without further ado, here's Hanan's poem from the diary of an almost four-year-old. Tomorrow, the bandages will come off. I wonder, will I see half an orange? half an apple, half my mother's face with my one remaining eye. I did not see the bullet, but felt its pain exploding in my head. His image did not vanish. The soldier with a big gun and steady hands and look in his eyes I could not understand. I can see him so clearly with my eyes closed. Could be that inside our heads, we each have one spare set of eyes to make up for the ones we lose. Next month on my birthday, I'll have a brand new glass eye. Maybe things will look round and fat in the middle. <laughs> I've gazed through all my marbles. They made the world look strange. I hear a nine-month-old has also lost an eye. I wonder if my soldier shot her too. A soldier looking for little girls who look him in the eye. I'm old enough, almost four. I've seen enough of life, but she's just a baby who didn't know any better. That's Hanan's poem entitled From the Diary of an Almost Four-Year-Old. Those are the poems I've chosen for today. And again, I encourage anyone to look up those poets. I will link all of these um, poets on our website, canadiansalad.ca, um, with links to their interviews, um, if I shared perspectives of their interview. And um, all I can say is, one, thank you for joining Hoshin and I this year, 2023. This podcast has been brand new for us, and we are learning as we go. Um, so thank you for your graciousness with us and your attention and uh, your time and inviting us into your homes, into your car, into your ears, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And secondly, it's so important that we represent the, the global community. It's so important that we represent the global families that um, are in and around us. Um, this is Canadian salad after all, and it would be amiss if we just kept two perspectives all the time. So please continue with us into the new year. We have some new and exciting things coming up and um, do take time to research these poets and remember and learn about these countries and um, the beautiful things that they're known for. The art, the music, the poetry, the leadership, the um, philosophies, the spiritualities, they're all different but they all want one thing, to be free. 
thank you for listening to me <laughs> um, and being brave and um, continuing on this episode. Join Hoshan and I next week again. Um, and we're going to be talking about the way the world celebrates the new year. So stay tuned, be kind to yourself, um, take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Canadian Salad is written and produced in British Columbia, Canada by Hoshin Ho and Andrea McCoy. Theme music is by Navur Avityan from Pixabay. This has been a good Dranklin production.